When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Big Fight Preview. I'm your host Sean, joined as always by Johnston. And this episode is to cover the fight between Lee Wood and Josh Warrington for the WBA World Featherweight Championship. A fight that's been a long time coming, I must say, between these two. We've been waiting for these two to get in the ring for quite some time. and They've got a really good rivalry between cities and football clubs. And I think there's kind of a football rivalry going on with this as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I think... It's it's a really good crossroads fight, I think, as well. I think there's a, a lot at stake for both of them in this fight. And we'll talk about that as we go through the course of the episode. But we've also got fights on the undercard with Kieran Conway, Lana Shidofia, a really good 50-50 between Hopi Price and Connor Coghill, and then Terry Harper against Cecilia Brackhouse. She's fighting and defending the WBA Super Welterweight crown, but also fighting for the recently vacated WBO Super Welterweight crown. That was previously held by Natasha Jonas, a fight that maybe we will see one more time before Tasha Jonas calls it quits. There's also some other fights going on across the pond as well, and we will mention those. But the main purpose of this episode is to cover the big fight between Lee Wood and Josh Warrington. Johnston, a fight a long time in the making, this one, isn't it? It is, and it's almost like every time you thought it was going to happen, one would lose. It felt that way anyway when... You know, Lee Wood winning his title against Conlon and you're sort of thinking, okay, if uh, Warrington can then beat Lara, then they can get it on. And then he didn't, he didn't. He, it was like a head of clash of heads. And then Lara ended up fighting Woody. Warrington, after losing his title, ends up fighting Kiko, wins back his title. And and literally, what I think it was in yeah February, Lee Wood loses his title after being knocked out by Lara. If he'd have come through that and Warrington had a beating Kiko, I think it would have happened last year. And then what happened was, obviously, Wood then goes and takes a rematch with Lara. Warren and then fights Lopez and gets done by Lopez. So he's lost his title. So it was, it was, it's it's just almost like they were, they were due to fight. And every time it was happening, it, it just, it never materialised because one had a defeat and they wanted to try and recover and, and sort of get redemption in their defeats. But I'm glad it's happening because, it's as you say, it's a fight we've been wanting to see. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a clash of styles. And I just feel, yeah, when we were going to have, we feel the fight's got to go. 
you sort of know what you're going to expect from Warrington and Wood. So it's easy to predict how it's sort of going to, not how it's going to go, but how they're going to fight. It just, you don't know the result of it. So it's very intriguing. It was very tight. And I could make, you could make a case for either fight, couldn't you? It's a fight that I've been looking forward to for some time. And, and over the past couple of years, when we've been doing fights involving both of these fighters, we've spoke about the potential of each other fighting at some point down the line. It's finally here. And, and really, they're both coming off the back of, of pivotal moments, I think, in the careers. Because if you think about Warrington, he lost his IBF title to Luis Lopez, who, of course, you know, burst onto the scene. And, and we were really surprised by, by him getting that win over Josh Warrington and then no Josh Warrington's not fought since then so he's not fought in, in nearly 12 months that was December last year Lee Wood was obviously going into another fight this year and, and fair play to Lee Wood because he's been really active hasn't he if you think about it this yeah. year he, he's he's been really really active because obviously he loses to Lara wants to avenge the loss to Lara and and comes back and and, and does that and does it in, in, in a really dignified way and now he's at the point where it's like right i've come i've overcome that adversity i've avenged that loss and now i've got to face a guy who really i'd say this for me for josh warrington it's everything for him he's everything's on the line for him i think for josh now taking another loss at this stage of his career at this level now it would really put him back some so i think there's a lot on the line for josh here as much as there is for lee wood because I think if Lee was to lose this fight, if there's not a rematch clause in the contracts, then where does where does Lee go? Because the featherweight division at the moment is so hot and so competitive that it really might dampen the chances of these guys getting those, those mega mega fights. And of course, you've got all the fighters knocking around that might want a sniff at a you know a, a shot at the title later on down the line. But this fight is quite significant for both of these guys because I think Warrington loses it. Where does he go from there at this level? Does he does he get another shot at somebody or or is that it kind of thing for him? If if Wood loses, you could probably say he's more likely to get another opportunity than than Warrington is, but I still think it's it's, it's pivotal for both of them. I think a loss here for both of them is gonna be quite devastating to, to the world title ambitions and, and, and future career in this division. So I'm I'm excited because I think they will both give it all. And I think, as you said, Johnson, we kind of know what we're going to get here with this fight. You've got a an all-out style brawler in Josh Warrington who who will be energetic, high-paced, try to get on the inside of Lee Wood. And then you've got Lee Wood, who who's a really good, accurate puncher, really good boxer, likes to pick his punches really well. And he's got someone coming at him who is, in a way, similar to, to, to Mauricio Lara. So with him having the experience against Lara two fights against him where he's boxed against him really well, albeit he loses the first one by a momentary lapse of concentration, he's prepared for this fight. I think that like them two Lara fights have definitely prepared him for Josh Warrington. I agree. I, I would, you know, the fact is Lara hits harder than Warrington. He's, he's not as got much of a, a punch output as Warrington has, but he definitely hits a lot harder. And we know that. And how quickly Lara could finish a fight, even you, you can't switch off for one minute. Lee Wood found that out in the first fight, comes back three months later, and really produces a faultless performance. Although Lara wasn't at his best. That being said, a part of that was Lara not being great and Wood being better. So, you know, he, he's prepared himself for for the for the fights like that with big big punches. Whereas Warrington, he isn't. It's a high volume of punches and. 
I know Frampton, when he fought Frampton a few years back, one of the fights of the year, I think it was like 2018, 2017, whenever it was. And and he hurt Frampton a few times. And Frampton did say that, you know, surprisingly, he's, he hits a lot harder. But that was a few years ago. And I, I don't see it. I just don't see him having the ability to really, unless he puts it onward, to get rid of it. I'm not saying he can't. Because, uh, look, there's a, there's a, there's actually a case for either finishing off either inside the distance and one winning on decision. It, it is pretty... Uh, I lean towards Wood because I feel that, as you said, great point, the Lara fight. And I feel that he works better with a fighter that's going to keep coming on to him. He will be able to work behind his jab and I think he's just a little bit sharper at times. But will he be able to, with the volume of Warrington, can Warrington sustain that and then wood on the back foot and hurt him at some point it, it's possible it really is either way i do lean towards wood although it's a you, you as i say there's an argument for either i just feel that warrington might well be just starting to decline slightly even though he's a younger fighter whereas wood is a little bit at his i wouldn't say he's at his prime but that lara performance was probably his best performance of his career so you got to say on, on the last appearances although some people felt that warrington beat lopez lopez done him for us and would produce a great performance in his last so you look at the last performance you're going to go Wood in fact the last two even though he gets rid of Kiko Kiko was shouldn't have really been a match for Warrington in a way yeah I, I'm, I'm edging towards Wood just because I feel that he's on a better slope than Warrington where he's on a slight decline but other than that look, it's a good time for him to be fighting each other yeah. it's going to be a good fight to watch yeah I agree I, I think the way you've you've put that sort of analogy together for it I think it's I'd say it's accurate. I wouldn't say people will disagree with it, or too many will disagree with that, because you're only as good as your last bunch of performances, and it's been a bit hit and miss, hasn't it, for Josh Warrington? Whereas, obviously, I know he loses to Lara in his first fight, but look at you know look at the run of fights prior to that, and he has a really good run of fights against Reese Maud, Kanzu, Michael Conlon. He was beating Lara up to the point he had that lapse of concentration, comes back, rematches him, gets the win, and does it in, in, in such a way which it just makes Lara look bang average. And okay, you might say Lara wasn't on, on point that night and weight might have been an issue. Whatever, whatever you want to say uh, about that fight, he got the win and he did it in such a good way that it just made Lee Wood look even better. And I know you're saying... I'm not sure if he's in his prime. I think this is Lee Wood's prime. I think even at 35 years old, I think he's hit his prime now. I think these are his best years now. His next year or two is, is where he makes his mark and leaves his legacy in the sport. And I think he, he's, he's started with the Kanzu win and it's continuing on and he's avenged that loss to Lara. He's come back and won it. So effectively now, a Josh Warrington win and then maybe a, another big fight in the featherweight division really sort of solidifies himself as as the best in this division and you've got to look at the division as a whole and look at how competitive it is and we've had this conversation before you know you look at who else is around and you've got obviously Lopez you've got the IBF you've got Brandon Figueroa you've got Robsy Ramirez you could see Lee Wooden and Robsy Ramirez fighting at some point down the line you've got Ray Vargas as well Ray Vargas is there you've got Raymond Ford you've got Mark McZio you know you've got some really good fights there's a really good fight happening in November that's just been announced as well a little bit lower in the rankings Nick Ball versus Isaac Dogbay that's happening in November on that magnif magnificent seven card. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of potential fights in the future here for for Lee Wood. Even at 35, if he gets rid of Warrington and beats him, I think he's got another year or two in this sport where he could be at this this level. 
But if he was to lose, I think both of them, if they lose, it, it causes a potential problem as to where they are because I think the division's so competitive. Maybe off accolades alone and maybe because they've been former champions, both of them would get opportunities again. But for me personally, if I'm looking at it, if I'm looking at it now, Johnson, I'm thinking if Warrington loses, I think it's, it's it, the loss for him at this stage would be more difficult than than Wood taking a loss because that'd be a back to back loss for Warrington against Lopez and then against Wood, both obviously title fights and loses in both of them. I think for me, there's more significance of him losing this fight than there is for Wood. I think if Wood does lose, I think he, there would be a way back for him. I think so. It, it really depends on on how the fight plays out. And what you're saying about the fight is pretty much how I see the fight. I see Josh Warrington, high energy, trying to get on the inside. Does he have the power to trouble Wood? I don't think so. I, I think you know he's got the he's got the he's got the wherewithal to be able to causing problems and, and, and get on his chest and not allow him to work but can he stop him? I'm not so sure about that. I think if anybody's going to stop anybody, I think Lee Wood is a little bit more, as we've seen of a concussive puncher. I mean you look at the, the, the first fight with Lara and he hurt him on multiple occasions before he got stopped himself. You look at the second fight with Lara he had him down in the second round. So I think you know, you look at these fights and you look at his history, you look at the way he stopped Michael Conlon in emphatic fashion, you look at the way he stopped Kanzu in emphatic fashion, you would more favour a Lee Wood stoppage than a Josh Warrington stoppage, put it that way. However, yeah. however, prediction-wise, I'm going to say, Johnston, I think I think this goes the distance, you know. I think given the history of both fighters, I think it goes the distance, but I'm favouring Lee Wood over Josh Warrington here. Yeah, I think the engine of Warrington has always been first class, like absolute first class and top, top energy is, 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 is unbelievable at times. You know, you get tired watching Josh Warrington for as long as we have. He sustained pressure is, is, is brilliant. I feel that he can't do it for 12 rounds like he used to be able to. I've, he's, he, the way he fights, I think I can't think who, who said it. I listened once and someone made a great point. Josh Warrington fights like how you would do if you're a young fighter. Now he's hit over the 30 barrier. I don't think his body can can maintain that for 12 rounds like he used to do. I I, st- I think he's in a his style is suited for a younger fighter. And I think I know he's younger by three years than than Wood. It's his it's the his style that will shorten his career. And whereas Lee Wood is obviously an older fighter, but his style, he can carry on a bit longer. And as you say, he probably is at the peak. That performance against Lara was definitely the pinnacle. If he can follow that up with a great victory against Warrington, then I think all credit to him, he moves on. And I feel that Josh will be strong in the opening exchanges. He will put a lot of pressure on Wood. And then I feel that he dips, and that's where Wood's going to have to take his opportunities. And he could pick him off. He could stop him. I sort of, I, I feel that Wood might stop him. Or could it be? I'm going to go Wood to win the fight. I can't tell if it's going to be a stoppage or a, or a decision. I could see Warren and lasting, but then there's a side of me that sort of can see him getting stopped. So, yeah, one, even one of those, and it'd be late if it is a stoppage. I can't see it being early. I think um, I'm with you, Sean. I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I'll see Lee Wood winning this fight, but it could be really competitive. And really, maybe Warrington goes down. Maybe even Wood goes down. 
like under a lot of pressure and eventually takes a knee or something like all this sustained amount of pressure there could be so much action in the fight that you have a rematch and Wood may get it or Warren may get it I feel that Wood will and that rematch could then be at a stadium which is what you wanted really whoever wins the fight gets the stadium fight at their own ground whether it be Nottingham or whether it be Leeds or maybe they have it after another fight but I still think that there is definitely the appetite for the, I think this is going to be a, this could be a contender for fight of the year I, I can't see it not being unless someone gets wiped out quickly I think I'm, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say this is a fight of the year contender and we will want to see it again in a stadium with obviously a nice stacked card as well but I can see that maybe next year. Well, let's see what happens. We've both given our predictions for the main fight this weekend, but there are other fights on this undercard. And there's some really good match fights on this undercard. I'm actually looking forward to Kieran Conway, Linus Eudofia in the middleweight division. I think that's a really good competitive fight. Hopi Price, Connor Coghill, 11-0 versus 14-0 you know, in the featherweight division. This is a really good fight, really well-matched fight, and I'm glad these two fighters are taking this this chance now at this stage of their career. And then we've got Terry Harper to see Ilya Breakhouse, which is one I want to talk about a little bit more in depth because obviously this was a rescheduled fight. She was supposed to fight uh, a weeks back, and that didn't happen, and now she's got the opportunity to fight uh, what I'd say is a legend in, in boxing into Celia Breakhouse, being so dominant for so long. But obviously when she loses her titles to McCaskill, People are saying it's time for her to, to give it up. You know, she's too old now. She's 42 years old. Should she still be fighting at this stage? Well, she did come back and get a win last December, but she's not fought since then. But she's fighting Terry Harper, who, as we know, has moved up in weights and gone up to the super welterweight division. And now she's a champion, and now she's looking for a second belt in this division as she closes in on a, a big, big fight. Is this maybe a, a, a right time? right place situation for Terry Harper Johnston with it with it being where it is and with it being at the time it is and obviously with Brackhouse being older and Terry being significantly younger and, and being champion this for her would be an absolutely great name on her resume going into a potential fight with Natasha Jonas I think it's right place right time it's perfect for Terry she will get credibility if she can get a win which I believe she will I, I just feel that the younger girl will come through She's just going to be a little bit more athletic, a little bit more sharper. You know, Cecilia, for all she's done in the game, and she will go down as a as a legend, a Hall of Famer in, in female boxing. It's just the perfect timing, where the venue is. It's just she's going to beat her to the punch. I can't see her not beating her to the punch repeatedly and just doing more, outworking her effectively, I can see happening. I don't think she stops her. I just think she outworks her pretty much dominantly throughout the fight. I mean, it's a. I would say probably a seven-three fight. I'm I'm gonna go that that wide. Uh, if anything, it could even be wider. Although Cecilia, you know, the early exchanges, you know, she's gonna bide her time. She's gonna be clever, but the young going for the younger, fresher girl um, to win this fight. I can't see it any other way. Well, we'll see what happens in the fight. I'm looking forward to it. It is a good fight for the card, and I'm looking forward to the card in general. I think, I think obviously, we've got some really good, well-matched fights, as I've mentioned on this card, that I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing, obviously, the two well-matched fights that I mentioned earlier, as well as the main event, of course. But we've gone from a really active weekend of, of major fighters involved in major events, and it's a little bit quieter. However, 
in America, there is a really good fight on zone this weekend, which I'd say you definitely need to tune into in the light heavyweight division. Gilberto Ramirez, 44-1, and one, going in against Joe Smith Jr. A good fight in the heavyweight, light heavyweight division, I should say. These two, they need wins on the resume now at this point in the light heavyweight division. I know Gilberto has obviously got a great resume, and his only loss on his resume, of course, is to Dimitri Bivol in his last fight in November last year, where he got soundly outclassed and outbeaten by Bivol. But he's going in here against a fellow light heavyweight seasoned campaigner in Joe Smith Jr., who we know has got power, who we, we know can cause problems, and will certainly give any fighter a, a really good fight. In his last fight in June, he fought Arta Paterbiev in June of 2022 and lost in the second round. He's been out for a little bit of time now. He's also fought Dimitri Bivol. So he's been in with the best of the light heavyweight division. He's been in with Bernard Hopkins. He's been in with Sullivan Barrera. He's been in with Jesse Hart. Eldier Alvarez, of course, as well, not to mention him. So is this going to be a straightforward fight? Or do you think there's a possibility here that maybe Joe Smith Jr. upsets the Ramirez apple cart? Because I think people are expecting Ramirez to, to win this fight. I think so. I'm sort of edging towards Ramirez. I think because of Joe Smith's style, he's going to have to be a little bit more clever than what he was against Baterviev because he just went for broke and ended up getting wiped out against him very quickly. So I'll expect him to not make those same mistakes and maybe just edge his way into the fight. But there's going to be a moment where they're going to go toe-to-toe. And Ramirez, for although he was outclassed by Bibble, I've never really seen Ramirez in any real trouble. I think he's got quite a good chin. And Smith does leave himself open at times. Although I love watching him fight because he's, he's always entertaining. You know what you're going to get with him. It's all action most of the time. And I, and I feel that that's going to happen at some point. And I think Ramirez will get to him. And Ramirez is a big guy. I mean, he will go into that ring over 200 pounds, Ramirez. He's got a great body shot as well on him. I think that could come into play. Um, because he does, he just leaves himself exposed, Smith Jr. But I do like watching him. He, I'm a fan of Smith's because I just... He gives me, he gives you everything. He gives you his heart on his sleeve, um, and he, you know, if you're a promoter of this guy, you can always put him on your card. He's always a fight for him because he's a he's a crowd pleaser, and he entertains me whenever he time every time he steps in the ring, no matter who he's fighting. So, but I think Ramirez is just a little bit too savvy, a bit too clinical. He's a bit tougher. You ain't gonna just bowl him over, and I feel that he just he's got that power and the weight behind him. Eventually, you'll get to Smith and work him out, and eventually stop him. But a good fight though, really enjoy. I'm, you know. He, it's a fight we've been wanting to see. And when you look at Baterviev and you look at Bivol, both of them have lost. I know Smith's fought them both and lost to them both. Ramirez recently to Bivol. So these guys are scrapping for the pieces, really. Who's going to get that title chance again at some point? So whoever wins this maybe comes through and fights for a title again. Well, we'll see, but we want Bivol versus Baterbiev if that happens. Obviously, Baterbiev's fighting Smith in January. Bivol might go down yeah. to 168 to fight Canelo. So we just don't know how the light heavyweight division is going to shape up as it stands at the moment. I think if Baterbiev beats Smith in January, then we'd rather be calling for this fight with Bivol. But ultimately, I could see potentially Canelo versus Bivol and Cinco de Mayo in May next year. And, and if that happens at 168, where does he stand with his title? Does his title then end up getting taken off him or does he get a little bit of a bypass for that for that fight? And would it be a big fight? It depends really on the, the organisation as to whether they'll let him keep it if he decides to go down to 168 to fight Canelo. So I'll be really interested. I think if you're thinking about sort of Bivol really at this stage, like... 
you want to see him fight Baturbiev. Let's be honest. We want to see that fight. However, however, thinking from shrewd business sense here, putting your business head on for just one minute, if he was offered the opportunity to rematch somebody he's already beaten, albeit at the weight he normally fights at, but he goes down to a lower weight, but he's fighting for the chance to become undisputed super middleweight champion, and there's a lot of money on the table for it, as well as as well as that, that accolade, you're going to probably sway towards that because you can't guarantee you're going to get the Baturbia fight. We, we've known for years there's been issues with this fight being made. And I, I could see it being one of them fights that does escape us and we, we don't never get. So I wouldn't really be good Bivol taking that step down and fighting for the undisputed super middleweight championship of the world against a guy he's already beaten. So... Yep. I wouldn't begrudge him that, but the light heavyweight division, Gilberto Ramirez and Joe Smith Jr. essentially are fighting for scraps at the moment because... Like Dan Aziz and Boetsy. Same yep. thing, isn't it? It's sort of the winner of those two could potentially fight against each other. Exactly. This is it. it, 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 it that would be a good way to, to keep the, these guys active and, and still ready and primed for a big shot. You know, Aziz and Boetsy coming up as well, you know, a really, really good fight that we're really looking forward to in a couple of weeks as well. And they're in the same position, like you said. And and he's, he's, you're waiting for the big guys to make the moves. And the only one that hasn't made a move so far that we know of is Bivol, of course, until he makes a decision on what's next for him. We're not going to really know how, how the landscape of that division sort of pans out over the next 12 months, unless he makes a decision very soon. And then we kind of know where this is going to go and how significant fights like Ramirez and Joe Smith Jr. are going to be. But it is one definitely to tune into this weekend. I'm definitely suggesting you watch that card on the zone. That is the one for me. But there is also a fight you wanted to bring to the attention of the listeners, Johnston. Yes, um, it's uh, Shigeoka, uh, the the young Japanese star, is fighting in his rematch against uh, the Mexican guy. And do forgive me, it's uh, uh, Valadares, Valadares, um, 29-year-old Mexican. And it's in the minimum weight division. Um, and I know not many of us, including myself, don't really watch the minimum weights because they are very small. And it's, you know, it just, you just, it's, it is what it is. It just doesn't get as much attention. Whereas, um, but this guy, I think we need to mention him, um, Shigeoka, because there's been a lot of fuss about him. There's been a lot of discussions about this guy is going to be the new, a new way. Um, and yeah, so it's just, if you get the chance to take a look, have a look at this guy. Um, he's fighting this weekend. Uh, he's a southpaw and he's a banger. He's knocked out seven in nine. He's only 23. The Japanese love him. And whether it's the look of him, of a, looks, looks quite similar to Inoue, but he definitely looks like a potential superstar. So if you get the chance, have a little look to watch his fight for the IBF World Minimum World Title. And it's on the, um, in Japan. It's on the 17th, 7th, sorry, of October. Um, and I believe, what day is that? Is that Saturday or is that... Sometimes they have them on Tuesdays, don't they? Oh, Saturday. Well, it's a Saturday, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so have a little look. Um, he's definitely one I'm going to keep an eye out for. As I say, there's a bit of fuss about him. So, let's see. Um, this guy could well be... You know what they like. They move up quite quickly. So, before you know it, he'd probably be fighting the super flyweight division. They could jump up a couple of weights quite easy when you're that low, Dan. So he's only young, but yeah, keep an eye out. And um, we could have a new superstar from Japan in the future. There you go. So guys, make sure you do tune in, watch out and see. You might already be aware of him. That's the thing. Some of you guys might have followed. Yeah, most exactly. I've picked up on him probably quite late. I think before they're, they're, this fight, they had, they had a fault before in January and there was no contest due to a clash of heads. 
Um, but there was a bit of a fuss around it, and I did see an article. So I didn't know too much about him, I ain't going to lie. Um, so I've only picked up on him early this year. So let's see what happens. Um, people are literally speaking very highly of this kid. So um, a lot of talk about Moton, um, Floyd Mova. So we're going to plug this Japanese kid and say, look, do you know what? He's going to be just as good as he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Floyd Mayweather would disagree with that comment. <laughs> uh, um... <laughs> <laughs> well, the main purpose of this episode was to cover Lee Wood versus Josh Warrington. We both believe that Lee Wood's going to take this fight. And we're looking forward to seeing the fight play out and, and how that shapes the featherweight division going forward. But that is it for this episode. Before we call a complete end to it, I just want to bring your attention to the Career Profiles podcast, which is coming towards the end of its season. There is some great episodes coming up for the final two, but if you haven't heard the two-part episode we've done on Manny Pacquiao, please go and listen to it. It is a long two-part episode it's about three and a half hours in total maybe pushing towards four hours but we've done everything that there is to do on Manny Pacquiao's career and his life to date of course things may change as he looks to potentially enter the Olympics in 2024 but it's one hell of a story please do go and listen to that and as we get ready for the winter season the final podcast series of the year will be legendary night season four we have sat down and we have done our list for the 10 episodes for Legendary Night Season 4 and we will be shortly starting to get into the process of going into recording for those episodes and hopefully looking to release them around about the end of November hopefully and that, that's kind of the aim for us to get them out around the end of November and basically have you covered over Christmas and into New Year and we'll also then start thinking about Darker Side of Boxing Season 4 as well so please do make sure you've got yourself subscribed to those feeds because there will be episodes coming to them very soon but if you've not already tuned into career profiles please do go and listen to them there is eight episodes out there already two more left probably going to be two two parters again but please please make sure you've subscribed to them because there's some brilliant stuff on there but that is about it for this episode if you do want to comment on what we've spoke about in this episode, the fight preview for Wood versus Warrington, you can do so at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter or on Facebook, Instagram. If you're watching slash listening on YouTube, leave a comment below. Let us know who you think is going to win this fight and how it's going to go down. If you want to follow us, you can follow us also on TikTok as well. And please make sure you subscribe to us on any available podcasting app out there. One final thing to say, thank you to the patrons of this podcast for supporting us as always we just wanted to give you a shout out because you're always supporting us and if you're not a patron please go and check us out on patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast for all the available membership tiers if you can support us in any way shape or form that way it'd be really supported and in return you'd get ad free episodes series based content early access to series based content and you'd get episodes that have not been released to the general public so please do go and check us out on there we'd really appreciate the additional support if anyone can do that but if you can't just make sure you're sharing the stuff on social media anything you see add it to your stories share it on twitter retweet like and share on facebook do the necessaries because it does really really support us and that is it for this episode thank you so much for listening to the big fight preview on btr boxing podcast network
Social Podcast Network.